0: Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean.
1: And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast. It is June, and we are back with another awesome guest in our Summer Guest Series. Mac, just a little behind the scenes, pull back the curtain for the listeners. And I think we we said this at some point. We recorded all of May's episodes in April before I had my baby. I am no longer pregnant. It's great. <laughs> I was starting to get tired of it, um, but yeah, I have like a whole month old at this point. His <laughs> name crazy. is Jacob. He is the best thing ever. And so, and and as Mac and I were trying to record the intro outro for this episode, both of our babies started crying. So we had to go record it at a separate time.
0: You know, just being stay-at-home parents, you know, that's what we do. You know, we got to deal with these, these children. Uh, but no, it's awesome, KG. So happy for you and Nick. Uh, little baby boy is, is just killing it. Uh, it's so much fun. And, and I know you guys are, are having the time of your life. I know it probably feels a little slow right now. <laughs> But believe me, eight months flies by, Oof. okay? It, it's crazy. So they do, start at Amelia, they do start sleeping. They do start sleeping. <laughs> but you're killing it. You're, you're doing good. You're, you're getting on a little routine, all Trying. this stuff. You guys you guys are killing it. Uh, and, and I tell you who else is killing it, our guests on this show. I mean, they, they have been unbelievable. Really appreciate everyone's support, tuning in and, and listening to these. And the train does not stop today, KG, as we are off and running. We have my brother, Kevin Nagandi coming on and man, it, it's something where th- there's guests, like you You love every guest, right? Like, cause you're excited and you bring them on. But Kevin is a guy that i really respect and, mm-hmm. and have watched forever. It feels like, um, you know, kind of growing up, we, we talk about this a little bit later in the show, but you know, growing up, that's what I did. I watched sports center. I watched, Same. you know, ESPN and games and and everything in between, uh, on there. And, and Kevin was a mainstay and has become this absolute superstar. And, you know, now I, I kind of got into it briefly. It was all about him, not about me. But to, to be walking, you know, those walls as Kevin Agandhi does, I mean, it's crazy. And a guy that I grew up watching and then now to have him on the podcast, just a guy that that hosts Sports Center in the PM. He does college football live. He's a mainstay or, or the main host uh, on ABC on Saturdays. I know you guys see him in the fall uh, and just a plethora of things, KG.
1: He's everywhere. And I know you've interacted with him more because you're up there during football season We had said hi, basically, during basketball (laughs) season because he's there for the 6 p.m. Sports Center and I'm there doing basketball stuff. And um, you can tell how well-respected and well-liked he is in in the halls as you're at ESPN. He's been with ESPN since 2006, and he became the first Indian American to serve on a national sports network. We dive much more into that. He's very proud of that, and he should be. And we talk about how he's opened doors for a lot of other people as well. Before we get to our guy, Kevin, we do have to remind you, if you can't tell it by what's behind Mac, if you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> we are presented by our great partners over at Ingalls. Mac, one of my first solo outings with Jacob was to go to Ingalls to pick up some stuff for yes. Memorial Day weekend. The guac. the guac. The guac. He slept the whole time. Praise the Lord. That was great. But I got some <laughs> dips. I got some queso, some salsa. And their homemade or house-made, whatever you want to call it, guac, is over there by the veggies, their guac is some of the best guac you will find out there. And people were were echoing that on Twitter when I posted it too. So sure. if you're looking for some dips for your summer cookouts, whatever you're doing, make sure you go grab that Ingalls guac, Mac.
0: The people were all in the people knew. on the guac. I mean, it, it, was, it was impressive, KG. When you posted that out there, I was like, yeah, that guac looks really good. And then it's just like person so after person after person saying the guac, the guac. You got to try it. It's the best <laughs> ever. Um, well, here's what you also got to try. Their, their meat is just the best. Any form or fashion, that's what they do. Uh, it, it's literally tippy top of the line. And I'm doing some chicken wings. Right now, as we speak, KG, I've got my Traeger app rolling. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to prove it to you guys. Max Meat is rolling (laughs) right now. I've got some wings on there. They've been on for about 25 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm flipping them, and we're going for another 30 minutes, and they're going to be so crispy. You'll see it on social media. Uh, Check them out. Uh, But before we get to our great interview with Kevin, let's hear a message from our sponsor over at Ingles.
2: Did you know Ingles Only sells USDA Choice and Prime cuts of meat? Maybe it's time to reward yourself. Our butchers cut all our meat fresh in the store every day. Grass-fed, organic, you name it. Not only that, we'll even cut it to order just the way you like it. And we grind meat fresh in the store multiple times a day. It's all in the bag. That's the best meat in town for the best folks in town. Ingles. Low prices. Love the
0: savings. Kevin, welcome into the show, man. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate you.
2: Eric Kelly, it's my pleasure to be with you guys. Uh, I know I know you guys are enjoying the offseason, but I do appreciate that both you guys are still working hard.
0: That's reality. right. Yeah. That's right. Hardly working, working <laughs> hard, whichever one you want to call it. Um, man, when I was preparing for this conversation and, and just, you, you're you amazing. You've done so many things. I, I was just picking and choosing where I wanted to be and Honestly, I wanted to go back to just the beginning in, in sports. What why is it so special to you? Um is it something that man you just always have wanted to to be a part of? Uh let, let's go way back to to young Kevin Agandhi walking around and, and wanting to be a sportscaster.
2: Yeah, it was um, you know, I, I've talked about this a handful of times uh because it it it's kind of part of my DNA. Uh, Eric and Kelly, uh, for, for the listener, I, I think that anybody that follows sports, we're, we always start as like immediate fans, right? There's something we gravitate to. And I always gravitated to anything that was Philadelphia sports. But really, it was uh, it was a way for me to make a connection with my father. I'm the first person in my family born in America. Uh, my dad came um, in the late 60s uh, to America with less than $5 in his pocket. Uh, true story, lived in a YMCA. And then my mom and my brother came three years later, um, when he could sponsor them. And so when I was born in 75, you know, I, I really remember just my fondest memories with my dad as, as a young boy was just watching Eagles football games and, and watching the Phillies and and the Sixers and listening to him curse at the TV screen and uh, I was always the voice of reason trying to calm him down and, and my my father loved cricket he wasn't he wasn't a, an American sportsman uh so he just would yell at Dick Vermeil the head coach of the Eagles and Ron Jaworski <laughs> the quarterback constantly and I always felt bad for those two guys. So what I would do is I would always get the Sunday newspaper. I would read through all the stats, the sports section of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And then when he would yell at Ron Jaworski when I was six and seven, eight years old, I would look stuff up and tell him, no, dad, he's not that bad, you know, or or, (laughs) like, that's kind of my relationship with my father that got me into sports and kind of like telling a story and trying to explain things to an audience. Wow. and then the call, you know, jaws a friend, a colleague and a friend when I came to ESPN 17 years ago was kind of surreal. To interview Dick Vermeule multiple times is really surreal in my my career, but I I those are my fond memories. I'd go outside and play sports. My brother was 7 years is 7 years older than me, so he would teach me about he was like my coach, he would teach me everything. And then I'd watch it with my dad and then my mom would be in the other room just supporting me and and Kelly and Eric my, like a fond memory I have with my mom and my mom would love sharing this story through the years was, you know, I had a little basketball set set up in my basement and, you know, my dad was always working. My brother was older than me. So he wasn't hanging out with a nine-year-old. Uh, he was, you know, he was a a full-blown teenager at 16. So I had these basketball tournaments in my basement with a mini basketball and a mini set. And I would do play by play. Like it was, Tournament, big leagues, like you know, every night, you know, we schedule who would That's win, right. games and stuff like. That. <laughs> and at one point, my mom is like yelling at getting, getting, getting ready for dinner, but she's like, "Who are you talking <laughs> to?" I said, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, why are you talking the entire time you're playing?" And I said, "I'm doing play by play because if I don't do play by play, the game doesn't actually." Hit it.
0: That's and right. Like,
2: are you, are you, are you all your energy, and I was like, "No, this is." I have to do the play-by-play to make sure the game's official wow and that's kind of how I fell in love with the whole idea of being a broadcaster
0: so, I mean Ooh. at nine years old you knew what you what did you ever stray away I mean was that always the plan from nine on
2: So I, I was a pretty good artist when I was younger so um no one looked like me or sounded like me when, when it became the Indian Americans in the business uh so and this was what the 80s so I it was like uh, how am I gonna I couldn't even conceive a, an idea that I could make money doing this. Right. So I wanted to be an architect. And wow. Kelly and Eric, I, I remember telling my um my counselor in ninth grade that I wanted to be an architect. She told me to take this building construction class <laughs> and her husband was the teacher. <laughs> I remember like literally the first month I hated everything about it. I was like, wait a second, I, I actually have to measure wow. I, I have to know what a header <laughs> is and a footer and what what I um wiring i was like i don't want to do this i want to just draw and um later on that year uh it was 1989 i was watching a college basketball game i'm 14 years old and they literally the broadcasters were profiling it was a, it was a game that was featuring uh west coast teams ucla i forget who they were playing but there was a player at the free throw line they pulled up his profile and they said He is majoring in communications. And the broadcaster says he wants to do what we're doing. And literally at that moment was the first time I I was like, wait a second. I I can go to college for this. I can go to games. I can call games. And then that night I watched SportsCenter. Vividly remember this. And I said, I want to be the first Indian American on SportsCenter. And that was that was 1989. And then uh, it happened uh, some 18 years later.
0: Check, check. It, you did it. We'll, we'll talk Great. about more of that in a second. That, that's unbelievable. That's, that's, that's unbelievable.
1: such a cool story, Kevin. I mean, that's that's really awesome. And, you know, it's something, too, when, we, when Mac and I were digging in, you know, doing our research here, digging into your background. And you go to Temple and you're doing a bunch of different internships. You're trying to work your way up. You've worked at a bunch of different places. I know this is something, to your point, you hadn't really seen anyone who looked like you doing it. It, it was there a point where you thought, okay, I can do this, and maybe you had to convince your parents a little bit as as a child of immigrants. Hey, I can I can make a good living doing this.
2: Yeah. So, uh, Kelly, originally I I went to Syracuse because uh, I thought I thought the game plan would be if I want to be the next Bob Costas, uh, Marv Albert, uh, you know, all the greats, Mike Tirico. I was I, gonna I, say keep going. Go There's like a the hundred names. <laughs> exactly. So I had to go there. Right. And I realized my first semester and how much I, I I just I hated the snow. <sighs> I was
1: miserable. Uh,
2: you know. Mac and I have both been to Syracuse. We understand. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um listen, I made a lot of good friends. Actually a, a lot of in one semester, they're they're still lifelong friends, but I was not happy and I knew that I wasn't doing well in school and I knew how much it was costing uh my parents' money. So a lot of that immigrant mm. guilt was setting in. And, um, you know, I, I had applied to nine schools. It was USC or Syracuse, my final two. And I knew I wasn't going to study at USC because of the beat. And turns out I didn't study Syracuse. <laughs> so my mom convinced me to go to Temple and I was against that idea. Um, and I decided to do it. And it was the best decision I ever made in my career because I was in market four. Mm. And so I had this dream where it was like, it, it was like, all right, it's put up or shut up. You've got to figure this out. And I went full, full bore, Kelly. Like I, I, I went to the newspaper, uh, Temp- the Temple News. I didn't know how to write, so I suddenly became the college sports editor and forced myself to write every day because no, no. I knew. What to do. Um, and then I did three years of play-by-play for women's basketball. Come on, uh, because it was it was a phenomenal opportunity. They wouldn't let students broadcast the men's games when mm. Temple phenomenal and coach Cheney was there. Yeah. So I would always talk to Coach Cheney as a writer. And then I broadcast the women's basketball games, which was amazing for me, traveling with them for three years. Wow. And then I made it to the T V station my junior year. And in between all of that I did five internships. <sighs> I, I actually found a way to make them independent studies. Smart. And,
0: and <laughs> smart.
2: I, and I talked <laughs> to the Dean of the school and I said, I've got to do this. And she's like, I-, I don't know how you're doing it, but okay. <laughs> we'll just do it credit and i just i just kept on tacking things on but with all of that my parents still didn't really they were like "Eh," you know and (laughs) my junior year uh i was interning at this this sports magazine called the fan and ricky waters was a running back for the eagles at the time they they, we were producing a show called the ricky waters show really really big type of production on local tv and. a former Eagle Vi Sikahema, I interned under him at NBC. He was the main sports guy at the time. My dad just loved it. Oh, I'm it. sure. Vi's there while and I I brought my parents for this production. And Vi's there, and I sat my dad next to Vi because I was like, this, <laughs> this is like a cool moment that for my dad. My right. dad. My dad introduced me to sports, and now he's getting to meet an Eagle, former Eagle because of me. That night, Vi said to my dad, uh, your son's really talented and he's got a great future in front of him uh, when he gets into TV. And I'm not kidding, Kelly and Eric. That night, my, dra- my dad drove home and told my wife my, my wife, my mom, his wife, this is what he's going to do. And <laughs> wow. somebody out from the outside conv- convinced them, not not mm, me.
0: Right, right.
2: Um, and then, you know, like, even my 45 years into ESPN, my mom, who was my biggest fan, was still telling me to take the LSAT, was telling me to go because it was the steady yeah. job. Right. Uh, we, we had nobody that, you know, understood contracts in our family. Sure. And my brother had to pull my mom to the side and be like, Mom, I think he's okay. I think <laughs> for him in his career, he's been at the S. That's kind wow. of what I realized. Oh my God, my, my boy. Yeah, has, has made.
1: My dad tried to convince me to go to law school until I signed my first contract with ESPN. And then he finally stopped talking about it. So I completely really understand. Right.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and and finally, for my dad, uh, when we drove out to Kirksville, Missouri, my first job, a lot of quiet time when you're with sure, your dad. sure, <laughs> cornfield after cornfield. At point, We're, I'm 23 years old. My dad at one point goes so. So Kevin, just help me understand. Because I was going to make $15,000. Yeah. I took a pay cut. I was in Philly doing something for a, a TV show making twenty four grand, And I took a, a pay cut to make fifteen grand <laughs> to go out to this small town. And my dad goes, help me understand. Like, where are you going to grow and make money? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and a little cocky. And I said to my dad, I said, hey give me till I'm 30. If I'm not making six figures, sure. I'll get out and I'll do whatever you nice. want. Sure. Sure. And wow. it, it shut them up for a few years. Right. <laughs> FTP, when I was 27, I left the business and got mm-hmm. out uh, for a year and, um, and worked for my dad. Uh, there was a lot of things I had to take care of. Wow. And, and then my it was my parents who were like, you need to get back
0: mm-hmm.
2: in. Yeah. And, I, and then, you know, three years later I got the ESPN. Wow.
0: Mm. Wow. Gosh, that, that's, that's incredible. I'm, I'm going to let Kelly talk about the, the ESPN call because we love hearing those and, and how it went. Uh, but you said something that was very interesting to me about how nobody looked like me. You know, I, I didn't have these examples of, of, you know, guys to look up to or, or anything of that nature. And um, I just want to, who were your role models? Who did you, you know, look up to and, and maybe say, I, I want to be that guy or be like that guy or gal? Um and, and say, yeah, that this is what I want my career to be like.
2: Uh, this is a really good question. I I, I found national guys like Al Michaels, Bob Costas. No. Um, I was really lucky to be in Philadelphia to grow up and listen to Harry Callis, sure. uh, famous Phillies broadcaster, and also did NFL films. And then I interned under him when I was nineteen, which was insane being in the booth with him. Um, And then there were some local guys uh, that did TV, like the late, great Gary Papa, who was in that market, who uh, who took me under his wing and really helped me, guided me. But I I tell a lot of college and high school uh, potential broadcasters that seek out people, ask questions. So whenever I would go to these events, I was in market Mm for Temple was a top 25 team. I was covering the Sixers. The Eagles, the Phillies, uh, the Flyers, because we had a pass for our radio station. I'd go to these events and just run into guys at the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Philadelphia Daily News, uh, I, the, all the local TV guys. And I would just honestly ask them, uh, really, they, they seem like dumb questions, but I tell kids they're not dumb questions until you get the, those answers. And they would take the time. There was, there was one story. I'll never forget that there was a guy that always come into the temple press conferences dressed up in a suit always to the nine, the sharpest dude. And meanwhile, you know, everybody's in like polos and, you know, uh, you know, you know, following a beat is not is not fun, especially in the 90s um, where you're working under deadline to get it for the print. And so I I went up to him one day while we're waiting for Coach Cheney. And I said, hey, why do you dress up in a suit all the time? you're writing you're not on the air like tell, help me understand and he goes kevin to be the part you've got to look the part and i was like interesting and i took that as a note that from here on out i i can't look like a you know like a bum mm. right i want to have effect. right sure. turns out that guy was stephen a. smith and Stephen a you know our friend uh, you know and uh we touch and, and it's 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 just one of those full circle moments for me wow. you know ESPN I, re- I reached out to him and you know for the third straight year uh in June we're going to be hosting the NBA draft on ABC and it'll be me and, like you know it, it's a small world, yeah.
1: world that that's great I want to wow. know if that was the 90s how how big were the lapels like how baggy was the suit <laughs> <laughs> Kelly they're coming yeah, they back are. <laughs> that's true
2: they were massive like, like, if you guys, if, if the listener could understand, they were yes. out on my shoulders, man. Why, man? And then let's not forget,
1: we went through the four-button era, too, where That's they right. up. The, That's right. the 03 draft, <laughs> when all those guys are just swimming in their suits. Oh. Okay.
0: The, the, the 03 <laughs> draft is the worst <laughs> in history.
2: Uh, when I first got my first suit in, I, in the late 90s, I remember it was literally my first suit. And we went to the store with my parents, and I, I, I was very thin, and I was a size 40, 40 regular, right? And the guy's like, Yeah, it's gonna be a 40 regular. I was like, No, I wanna go to uh, longer. And he's like, Excuse me, sir? I was like, Yeah, I wanna go long. I got a 44
0: long.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you could fit two of me in this jacket. And, and I posted a picture of it uh, recently. <laughs> you could fit literally two of me. Wow. And and it was, it it would have made Jim and Rose proud. <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. <laughs> Back,
1: m- mental note. We need to use that picture for our, uh, for our social media stuff yes, for this episode. Absolutely. We'll, we'll do your right, Kevin. Uh, okay. Well, you talk about getting to ESPN. And I know obviously we've, as we've discussed, you grinded your way there. How did you finally end up getting that call?
2: So I was at the local state ABC station, Sarasota. Um, I had, I had come to a, a certain piece that I was happy where I was in that market. Uh, I was living near the beach. I love where I was. Uh, I was dating a pretty uh, hot anchor reporter who turned out to be my wife. <laughs> uh, so things were really good. And I, uh, somebody asked me, uh, her name's Alex Wilson. She used to be in TV. She's the the wife of Gary Thorne. She asked me why I was in that market and not somewhere else. And I was like, I'm happy. I used to have an agent. She's like, will you call this agent? He's in New York. I think you should talk to him. I was not into it. And I waited. And then about a year passed. And I said, give me the agent's name. Call them up. I, and this was 2006. And I said, why are you interested? And he was like, I, I'm interested because I think uh, you have the potential. I watched literally 10 seconds of your tape. You have the potential to go regional or national. Let's do a handshake agreement. We're on the phone. He's like, if I don't get you a job in six months, we'll move on. And I was like, what do I got to lose? I don't got to pay. Sure. Sure. Okay, let's see what he, uh, he can do. And then uh, within four months, he got me, um, he got me a tryout, uh, potentially at, at this station called Masson, which had just started and uh they had delayed their production for another six months in mass in his mid-atlantic sports network in baltimore so that was one regional network and then he calls me up in june and was like hey uh, we have an opportunity at espn news and they want to fly you up there next month and they you just do you know reach out to this person they're gonna talk to you and my girlfriend monica at the time i she said what do i got to lose if I don't get the job, I don't get the job. But my dream was to get the ESPN. They're flying me up. They're paying for everything. I stay there overnight. I had to walk around and be in their studio. So I'm going to make it hard for them to say no. And that was my attitude. And then they flew me up in uh, July. I did the tryout. I did seven interviews. I did wow. I, mean, I did like 10 minutes at the time. And then um, I waited. And I'll never forget the phone call. I got it <laughs> three weeks later. I was at a football practice. Uh, at, at five in the afternoon, sweating my tail off and my agent goes, you ready to go to Bristol? And wow. I was like, what? And, and I had to walk away and I'm losing it on this practice field. <laughs> I had three years left on my, my contract. I come in, uh, to the office. I pull my girlfriend to the side and I tell her what's going on. And then like, I go home for dinner cause I had to go anchor that night. And I was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> and i
0: what do you mean? What are we going to do? I, I gotta yeah. get the job. I'm packing. I'm packing my <laughs> bags.
2: <laughs> like, I, there's no way I can come in two weeks. They're like, we need you in two wow. weeks. Uh, so I went to my boss's office the next day and I told her, and she, she, her face, she was an amazing boss, news director, Kay Miller. Her face just was like, are you kidding me? And she <laughs> left the room, came back five minutes later with the GM and the GM shook his hand. And I said, I'm good. He goes, I don't care about three years. We've never had somebody go to network this way Wow! Past. Wow!
0: Oh my gosh! Really yeah. well. That that is unbelievable. And, and I mean, it, it's it's so fun to hear these stories just because it, it means so much to us. I mean, like you, I didn't grow up watching cartoons. I grew up watching yeah. Sports Center. I grew up watching games, and you know, just to to walk on that campus, as you alluded to, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about How lucky we are. To yep. be able to do that where giants have walked and, and been created and all the athletes in the world, all the executives, all that cool stuff, man, it's uh, it, it's truly amazing. And, and for you, it even has taken a step further because, as you mentioned, this was a goal of yours, and you did it. You became yeah. the first ever Indian American to serve on a national sports uh, network, and it's funny. Uh, again, we're doing this research. We're looking stuff up. You posted mm-hmm. – Uh, you know, this tweet 13 years after, you know, you became that you and Zubin uh, to our immigrant parents, to Indian Americans hosting sports center tonight, never thought I would see this, let alone be a part of it. Zubin and I promised to work hard and make our families proud. I I, want to get this super because this is a big deal. It's really important. Why was that so important to you? Why is that such a big deal for you, for, for everybody else in the world to see that?
2: Uh, Because uh, there's not people that look like us in this profession uh, who, I mean, we all have those childhood dreams. But when, especially in my culture, sharing the experience of my father trying to kind of grasp it and he needed somebody Mm -hmm. else to convince him, it's really hard to convince your parents internally, Mm -hmm. hey, I take this step because the Indian Culture is when you come to America, you you study, you better get a great education because education opens up to a job that's going to be giving you stability that leads to a family and respectability. And and when you have that kind of built in to your DNA and it's hammered home every single day, what'd you do? What'd you do? What's your grades? Are you maintaining? Are you holding a good social standing? Are you not embarrassing your family? Like it's really hard to explain to them that I can go into a field. That has literally no stability, (laughs) as we all know, right? Or contract to contract. You're only as good as your last broadcast. That's right. And how can I maintain something like that? And um, for anybody to understand, like the best story I could ever share is that when I, you know, a few years into the gig, I was at a, I was at a workshop conference at Columbia and for Asian Americans and this. Young Indian writer. She was a freelancer for Vanity Fair was like, do you have a second? Can I talk to you real quick? And I was like, yeah, she's like, I want to share a story. She's like, you know, I'm a writer from Vanity Fair, a freelancer as well. Uh, I just want to say you have changed the course of my brother's life. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, listen, I'm in the media, but my mom insisted my younger brother He's going to be a doctor. And for years, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. There's no question we're mapping this out. And this is a young boy that was, you know, a young teenager. So he was in like eighth and ninth grade. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a doctor. Well, one day he was sitting down in 10th grade. It was the summer and he's talking to his mom and his mom's like, let's start looking at schools. Let's plan things out. What's next? And, all. and then he's like, mom, I'm going to be a sportscaster. And she says to her son, there's no one. That's a sportscaster that's Indian. There's no one that looks like you. Show wow. me one person that looks like you. Wow. He, he literally got up and went to the TV and turned on ESPN. And I was on the air that morning because wow. I did center in the morning for seven years. My my face popped up in the name. And he goes, look, mom, look at his name. He's Indian American. Look what he's doing. And wow. at that moment, the mom said, I had no idea. Wow. How do we get wow. there? Wow. The sister shared this story with me. She was like, no matter what I did, it did not convince my mom sure. that my brother can get in this business. You popping up on TV was proof for my mom to actually believe in it. Wow. So when I posted that, it it, it it is with those stories. And I hear from so many teenagers who are Indian American that are putting together podcasts and parents who are like, you are my son's role model. You're my daughter's role model. She wants to do this. And just thank you. I take great pride in that because uh, I just think of the struggle that young kid would have had to explain to their parents. I want to do this when the parents are like, I don't see it because it's not in front of me. Mm, Sure. And those are the stories that I take uh, great pride in. You know, when I'm on there, it's heavy. I I did this the first time I was on SportsCenter. I was like, you better not screw this up because you're not your name, your family, temple you know Philadelphia you're representing a hell of a lot of people that yeah. are watching you and basically uh first impressions are being judged
0: yeah and th- that's i wanted to ask you 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 hit it right there did did you did you feel that do you still feel that pressure you know be, being the first ever i mean that's there's hundreds of thousands of millions of me i mean there's one of you and, and you're the first one i mean did, do you feel that or did you feel that uh
2: yeah and foolish no one Put that pressure on me. You carry it with you. It's yeah. again like part of your skin. You, you you carry it no matter what. Like right. Hey, I've I've got to nail this. Uh, it will overwhelm you if you sure. take it on the air. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I don't think about it anymore unless you know like I'm talking about it right now. Right. Right. But I know, I know that when I'm on the air, there's probably a young boy who looks like me and is like, "Wow, it's pretty cool." you know and you get back you hear over the years from people and um you know we often get caught in this bubble where we think you know literally head down you work and then when you step out of that bubble and you're like traveling you Mm -hmm. run into people and you're reminded of it frequently like oh yeah i'm on tv (laughs) you know something that's really cool you know uh because you just get stuck in the everyday. we're doing it we're finding what's the story let's make sure we do the story right and that's how it's Um, so it it can be a little heavy, but what I'm really proud of, uh, Kelly and Eric is that when I came to ESPN being the first, but then like over the years, you know, Anish Mm -hmm. Shroff and watching him grow and what he's representing Adnan Burke of, you know, Mm -hmm. Pakistani Canadian, like watching him grow Zubin, of course, uh, you know, Adam Amin, uh, just watching guys that look like Nabil Kareem watching people that have come through that look like me, have succeeded. They're all great. We all have running jokes about us getting, you know, our careers are in each other's hands. Dari Noka is a very good friend of mine. Yeah. Dari and I, we do it all. We have so many great stories that are getting <laughs> me, people mixed up. And I always tell Dari, don't screw it up because my career <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, that's such a, a proof, you know, that there continue to be more and more. Indian Americans, Asian Americans, whatever it is, um, and look—if you know your sports, sports fans will sniff that out, and if you know your sports, they'll—they'll they'll be fine with you. I, I think there's—and that's sure. obvious with yes. you, Kevin. Okay, let's talk a little college football here because we are um, an ACC football podcast, and I'm intrigued here because you—you're a Temple guy, as you mentioned. You grew up in Philadelphia, so you maybe—and obviously, you cover a bunch of college football now, but you can approach this from maybe more of a. Um, unbiased look at the state of college football in general, not someone who's maybe fighting for their Clemson fandom or Florida state or whatever. So where are we headed? Where, where do you think we are headed as we're looking at staring on the barrel, these two super conferences with the big 10 and the sec, where does the ACC stand in that? And where's the sport going? If you could look into your crystal ball.
2: I, one thing I do, like I do like expansion of the playoff. Um, and I love the ideas of, you know, Hosting a playoff game. Yeah. (laughs) I think that is what the sport is about. What it separates Saturdays from Sundays, right? Uh it's no longer about corporate stuff, hey, you know, and sweets. It's about that consistent fandom that we see on Saturdays, tailgating and being there. And now you get rewarded with a home game in a playoff environment. (laughs) I I think that's incredible. idea that, you know, let's talk specifically ACC, a Northern team has to come down in January and play in an environment, let's just say December, and suddenly it's not cold, right? Uh, Or, you know, a a Southern team has to go to end country and now deal with some adversity and handling some snow or wind. I love that because to me, that is what football is all about. Uh, Football to me, it's not in a dome. Football to me, it's in my (laughs) Um, So I, I love that. My my concern, especially with what we've seen, and and you know ACC is tied into this because of the recent dominance of Clemson as well because they're in the the powers to be conversation, right? I think you're seeing with parity, IL transfer portal, you're seeing teams that are from like I want to say eight to thirty, a little mm-hmm. bit closer, mm-hmm. right? And I think when you see the top five, that's getting closer to each other. But that top five separating the separating themselves from six, seven, and then that eight to you know 30. Mm -hmm. And the getting wider and wider and wider. And if you're not in front of it right now, it gets even tougher because the momentum swing is such a big deal. Like if you have one or two bad years, you're suddenly behind the eight ball Mm -hmm. and it feels like you're looking up, even though a program that's you know Consistent over ten years uh, should not be that in that situation. But we're seeing that mm-hmm. in college football, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. my biggest fear. You're you're going to get these like phenomenal jumps in one or two programs, and then they're going to come back. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I I fear that. I fear like the Georges now. How about you know the Georges extending themselves even further away mm-hmm. uh, from the the pack because every single year just reloading, 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 reloading. Yeah. Sure. Uh, That's my biggest concern. And this comes down to one thing, too, like consistency with coaching, coaching staffs, of course, recruiting, but the development of Mm. players. You can have five star guys, but if you're not developing players, Mm -hmm. it's going to bite you. And if you do not have. And it's like this in the NFL. If you do not have a top 10 quarterback, (laughs) you're going to be in trouble. No matter what it is, you're going trouble now people will be like well Setson Bennett was it? sets and Bennett was a fantastic quarterback numbers don't care he and it doesn't mean anything about his stars he understood the system he was there long enough he was fantastic yeah. and he was exactly what that program needed at George sure. to get over. The-
0: sure yeah no 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 question man it, it is crazy how the game of football has continued to evolve to now we're at this point where You don't have a QB, you got nothing. I mean, before you could win with defense, you could win with a run game. Alabama did it for many years. Yeah, years, years. I mean, it is so dictated by one position.
2: Alabama did it for many years, and then at one point,
0: the
2: best thing about Nick Sage, he saw and he read them, and he said, I've got to figure this out now. (laughs) A stud quarterback who is mobile and has a big arm. Yeah. uh, you know, offensive abilities. Sure. I need to consistently have Steve Sarkeesian. I need to adjust to the game. If you have coaches that don't adjust, I, you could be dead in the water within two years and say, what just happened? I don't right. understand. We were there. Now we're well, gone. Kevin, yeah. speaking of
1: that, I'm just curious here. How, do you see Clemson and perhaps Dabo in that realm? I mean, he, we, he has not adjusted the transfer portal. One could say he really doesn't take transfers, Clemson is still winning 10 games, still going to big-time bowl games, but missed the playoff last year. Where do you see Clemson in that regard?
2: Uh, so, you know, Clemson's a very interesting situation because when we talk about star quarterback, they had DNA, right? right? The star quarterback, right? Nate, they, they've got another one. Like The kid that they got right now is pretty darn special. At least no. he showed us that he could be really special. Now we need to see a full season under his belt. What what Dabo has done and previously, you know, you know, the Deshaun Watson era, he had stud playmakers everywhere. I was stunned, stunned over the last two years, Mm -hmm. how different this team has looked when you could have a stud quarterback, but if you don't have the right playmakers, it does not help. So we could talk about the quarterbacks, and like we have, and you need to have a star quarterback, but if you don't have playmakers consistently helping and that turnover rate there. Where you're going to lose one or two to the draft. Let's get the next two. Let's get the, uh, that pipeline. It's going to haunt you in yeah. the end. You, you can't make the quarterback look good if you have nobody there who could stretch the field, right? And not have that guy where who's the guy that's going to stretch the field and is right. going to be healthy, right. <laughs> right? And yeah. I'm done by that drop off over the last couple of years. And I could be wrong, you guys would know. No, about no, no. Me. you're right. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, uh, I think the the health thing that was what was so bizarre. I mean, you, you got a Justin Ross who emerged on the scene, exploded one of the best you know performances we've ever seen by a freshman in a national championship. You've got Frank Ladson who was supposed to be all world, Joseph Engata, you know these guys that just never got there. You know they, yeah. they they never could take that next step. And then you're looking at it you're like, what is going on with Clemson? Like, what's happening? <laughs> uh, and, and then the quarterback play and things of like that. Clemson
2: fans, listen to this. I'll add one other thing. The one thing that Dabo has stayed true to, and I think it's so it, – it is the recipe for success. He has made sure that defensive line has been dominant, yeah. and yes. he has that in recruiting year after year after year. You need a stud quarterback. You need a dominant defensive line that can rotate guys, and you could reload every single year, and then the,
0: the playmakers. And if you
2: have that, that's where I think you can have the the, the foundation, the building blocks to, to success for two to three classes
0: yeah no no question man no question it's going to be interesting to see can they get back with that quarterback new offensive coordinator coming in all these different things I think that the Tigers will be just fine how about FSU man are you on this hype train because it is left the station it's at full speed and you know what's even funnier about that it's not it's really not just hype I know you have to do it on the field but I'm going through my list of like top five players first teams all this stuff and it's like seminal after seminal after seminal. And I'm just like, there's a lot of guys on this list. There's a lot of potential. Yeah,
2: Eric, and, and that's a great point. And you know what this goes down to? This goes down to the patience that the administration yeah. had. Because there was a time, it was, it was shaky ground a couple of years ago, and it was like, uh-oh. And they've got to make a decision because of the instability that we had seen in previous regimes uh for multiple years, right? Uh FSU's back. And when FSU... <laughs> back with the swagger and the recruiting, it makes college be- football so much better. And and I will say, you know, as somebody that, that covered college football in Florida for six years, uh, I was there when Peter Warwick was there. I was there specifically when I watched the 2001 Hurricanes. I was there with the Tebow era Ooh. and Spurrier and even when they had Grossman. When he, Florida is such an interesting uh, hotbed because... You need one of those programs always to be on top. And it was really weird. It was always cyclical, right? It's Miami, Florida's the next upcoming, Florida State's reloading, right? And then you would always see somebody in that circle moving up and down, right. moving up. Right. And over, uh, like, there was like a five-year window, UCF yeah. cooking, right? <laughs> it was stunning to see that those three programs I mentioned could not get out of their own way. And now with Florida State coming back, and and maybe Cristobal is doing the right things. He can recruit. We know that. Can he consistently get the right coaching? Can they turn the quarterback around? Because I really like the quarterback. Uh, I was stunned about mm-hmm. his regression last year. Sure. I, mean, I don't know about Florida because I'm stunned about where they are right now. But can you get the <laughs> rotation back, right, where we see the cycle? Because the ACC desperately, desperately needs Florida State and Miami to be back to help Clemson and make them more of a power. Yeah not forget about my boy Matt Brown in North Carolina
0: that's right you're preaching to the choir man we, we need him and I think this this could be a really positive year for the conference we'll see but dude this was so much fun I appreciate your time we went over a little bit uh really love your story and hearing it from you directly appreciate you big time
2: Kelly I'm honored Matt Eric I'm, I'm honored to call you guys uh teammates man it was my pleasure
1: Well, as we indicated before we had on our great guest, Kevin Agandhi, Mac is cooking wings as we speak, so we've got to get out of here so that Mac can serve wings for his family tonight. But thanks again to Kevin for joining us. He's a superstar. You know where he is on social media. Go follow him. Just turn on SportsCenter. I was just watching him on TV with L Duncan (laughs) doing SportsCenter, and I know he's ready for college football season. I loved his thoughts on Clemson, Florida State, the ACC at the end as well. Just an awesome guest. We appreciate his time.
0: You know, I, I love the casual Stephen A. Smith. That story. was in crazy. the middle of everything, like the way he subtly dropped it. And you know, we we had a, a bunch of stuff we had to get to, so I just kind of glossed over it. That was a crazy. That was story. hilarious. Like to subtly just drop. Yeah, I was just standing next to Stephen A. Before you're Stephen <laughs> A. And now, you know, I'm sure they're still great buddies and and both looking dapper uh, as Always. ever. So I need to continue to take notes. Uh, from Kevin Agandhi and and his dress. Mm -hmm. I always hit him up when when he's looking good, which is every time I see him. Uh, But grateful for his time. Grateful for our friends. Over at Ingles, uh, again, check them out, guys. They're doing some great things all summer long. Great deals. And of course, as Father's Day is approaching, plan out your Father's Day menu by going out to Ingles, mm. getting the best of the best. Uh, but that's it from us. Thank you for tuning in. Another great episode of Gramlick and Lane, presented by Ingles. We need you guys to go over to YouTube, subscribe, leave some comments. It's always fun to hear from you guys. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe over there as well. Uh, but that's it from us. Until next time, we'll see you all.